Welcome to the Gut Church Podcast. My name is Kennedy Shear, and thank you so much for joining us. Today, we have a great word for you. If this ministry has changed your life, will you let us know? Send us an email to story at gutchurch.com. I want to dive in. So this message is is an interesting one because normally when I put messages together, I feel like there's a a flow and and it builds to a crescendo at the end that there's a point to be made. This one is, is interesting because it's, it's a few different thoughts. I feel like I'm truly letting you into my mind at this point. Um, so to paint a picture of what my life looks like currently right now, um, I have a wife, I have five kids, my oldest is seven, and then almost six, and then three, two, in seven weeks. Um, so imagine that in a 2,500 square foot home. Throwing that out there for you. An older home, so it's paper thin walls. So no one ever sleeps, just so everybody knows. Um, when one's awake, everybody's awake. But then um, I have the honor of, of serving up here at the church in the mornings. And then um, I also run cattle. And we do that uh, in the afternoons. So that paints a picture for what this message is. But I, I truly believe it's something that we do way too often. Okay, it's called lanes or what is your lane or changing lanes. And we do it way too often without the preparation involved. And I'm not talking about driving, although it parallels with it very well. But I'm not talking about changing lanes in in regards to driving. I'm talking about changing lanes in your life, the life course that you're on and then changing a lane, whether it be a a big change that you're changing multiple lanes all at once or um, just veering off just a little bit and changing lanes. But when we make those changes, I don't think that we're fully prepared most of the time for that. I don't think that we have turned on the turn signal which we all do every time because we are very responsible drivers. But we turn on the the turn signal when we're changing lanes, and then we make that change. We're supposed to be turning on the turn signal, checking, making sure that there are no cars in the way, that you're not going to hit anybody, and then you make that change. But I think in life, too many times we start the turn, and then we make the, the turn signal without even looking, and then we're in another lane, and then we're wondering why all of a sudden... Our car is a mangled mess because there's things that, that are, are obstacles in the way when we make those changes that we don't see, and then all of a sudden we've made a bad decision, and then the harsher reality is how long does that keep you off course? How long does that keep you from moving forward? Something so little could just completely derail you for way too long instead of moving past it and getting back into the lane that you're supposed to be in. But you can have, you can signal, you can be fully prepared for it, but then all of a sudden, you turn, and then there's somebody, yeah, there's a blind spot. But if we're able to turn on our turn signal to let everybody else know behind us, hey, we are making a turn, or hey, we are changing lanes, in life it would be that you have the the time and the opportunity before you make that change to seek wise counsel. Because there are blind spots in our, in our lives that we don't see. 
that other people see that seem very apparent but not to us. And then we want to make those changes and we wonder why all of a sudden we're in a wreck just because we made a change. We might have signaled way far in advance, but we weren't prepared to make that change. So tonight I want to speak a little bit about that. So life is not a race. It's not about finishing first. But it's about cultivating a steady, patient, obedient attitude. How many of us in life are truly, Lord, just seeking God on what we're supposed to do next? You know, I think it's, we think about the times it's like, oh, there's a check in my spirit about it. A big flashing red light, an alarm that goes off. And we know that, man, something's not right here. But what about those times when you don't have that green light? And you're ready just to make that change. It's that steady, obedient attitude moving forward. I understand that right now that is difficult because we live in a day and age where it's defined by speed. We want it now. We want it now. How fast of an internet can we get? They're talking about download speed so we can watch shows or play games. Whatever it is, everything is speed, speed, speed. When in all reality, there's preparation involved before we make that step. There's preparation involved before we change lanes. So turn in your Bibles real quick to Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Checking our spiritual blind spot also means a consistent movement of our heart and our head and our eyes to God. We make these, these decisions or these changes in life without really having a peace about it, without really seeking God on it. And then we wonder why we're in this, we have this wreck that has happened in our lives, but we made a change when we're supposed to. It might have been emotional. It might have been reactionary to something that has happened. But in all reality, the, the, taking the time and that, that slow, steady space, making sure, I don't mean wait, like plan, 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 and, that, and never actually make that change. But it's until you get that release, it's make that change, but you're checking your blind spots. Okay, Matthew 18, 21 through 22. This is a New Living Translation. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. I truly believe that unforgiveness hinders most of us. Having that unforgiveness in our life hinders the, the true lane changes that we're supposed to make and then running at the pace we're supposed to be running because there's unforgiveness in our heart. We have unforgiveness towards somebody. So I think that, again, forgiveness is one of those, those blind spots that you don't even think about, but in all reality, that is the thing that's holding you back from moving on to what you're supposed to move on to. So Jesus reminds us that we are to forgive rather than to get revenge. And I think what's hard is we want to respond with that. Where it's, oh, I want to make this person look bad. Or I want to make this, this person look less than I do. We allow unforgiveness to sit and then to stay in our lives and in our hearts. But that there is, is, is I, again... Unforgiveness is a huge blind spot that we have in our lives, but yet it hinders us 
from running at the pace we're supposed to run. So Matthew 15, 15, and I'm going to read through verse 18. This is the New Living Translation. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Do you understand yet, Jesus asked, anything you eat passes through your stomach and then goes into the sewer, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Your words shape your actions. How you speak about a situation, it is interesting how often how you speak about it is how that situation turns out. Your words have power. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. But I think too often we want to speak things, well, I got this, this report, and you keep speaking it and speaking it, well, they say I have this, or I have this, or I have this. No, no, that's not the report that we believe. But we speak those things that we speak about situations that aren't uplifting. We speak, the, the, we speak things about a situation that aren't God's word, but yet then we wonder why they don't turn out how we thought they would. Or we wonder why we're still dealing with things later on because we haven't forgiven them yet. Well, I don't even think about them. It's not bothering me. No, no, it is. That's that thing that's stewing inside of you that, man, let's remove it and then change course. So real quick, I want to read uh, Proverbs 6, 16. And this is 16 through 19. And these are just a few points that I have for things to avoid. So with this, it's the six or seven things. It's the seven things that God says that he hates. And I think what's hard is we allow certain things to creep into our lives, and then we wonder why we're not living the greatest life imaginable. I mean, we know the promise of God, but yet we don't live that greatest life imaginable. Again, I already talked about unforgiveness. I talked about how we speak to things. But then let's read on. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A, this is how they amplified. A proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, even under oath, and he who sows discord among his brethren. So let's talk about these things here, the, the seven things. Number one is a proud look. Someone who's prideful, it's... Someone, and it says it here in the Amplified, but it's someone who overestimates himself and underestimates others. When we have pride that fills our hearts, the problem is it comes out in our mannerisms. It comes out, out in how we treat people. But as we know in the Bible, it says that pride comes before the fall. And I think it's also very, very interesting that a proud look or pride is the first thing that he mentions in this passage. I think it's because that pride is the first listed because it's the root of most disobedience and rebellion. You think you are above whatever that is. You think that, that, that you are above or that's, it's beneath you what that thought is or those people are beneath you when we're actually called to love people. Number two is a lying tongue. Don't be a liar. It's a commandment. Just throwing that out there. God is the God of truth who cannot lie. 
we allow lies in our life, which is interesting that, in my opinion, it, it creates that pride. Because we've lied to ourselves that it, it's, this isn't for us or this, this is for other people or, or people lower than me. But it's not. It's that a lying tongue, number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Number four, a wicked heart. So in verse 18, it says, God hates a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. I mean, it's bad enough for a person to be evil. But someone who plans it out, a wicked heart is the devil's workshop for devising sin. And I think what's hard is we don't think about it, but in all reality, how often are we making those bad decisions without thinking about it first? Oh, it's just a small thing. Oh, it's just a little thing. But it ends up being a huge thing when changing lanes. Number five is mischievous feet. Or feet that are swift and running to evil. Verse 18 says, God also hates feet that are swift and running to evil. The difference between this and just sin is that the Bible refers to it as you're falling or slipping in sin and not planning that out or running towards it. What's hard is we rubberneck in life way too often, but then we run to those things. We allow people's voices, opinions, their perception of things infiltrate into our life and not what God says, what the Word says. We don't allow those things to happen because we're too worried about what other people have said, and then we're running to those things. Number six is a false witness. Another thing God hates is a false witness who breathes out lies. David, Jesus, Paul, they all experienced accusations that were false witnesses. And I think what's hard is so many times we try to throw that out again because we're prideful. We want to look higher than everybody else. But when changing those lanes, if you are not prepared to make that change, it's a coin flip on how something's going to work out. It's, we're, not, we're not sure how that's going to work out because there's, there's so much that we don't see, but yet we make that quick change. And the hard part is we burn people when we make those changes also. Number seven is a, a divisive spirit. So verse 19 says that God also hates a person who sows discord in a family. Troublemakers create divisions where there should be unity. Quit being a troublemaker. Quit creating divisions in your family, in your friends, in your circle, in your, fear, in your sphere. Quit adding those divisions in instead of bringing in unity. Trust me. The world, the society, the news, whatever you want to call it, is making it, is trying to make us as divided as possible. But under the banner of Jesus, there's unity. For us to be a unified front, we're, we're headed into a time, it's interesting that it's every four years that this happens, but we're headed into a time that they pit us out to be an us versus them. In us versus them, what's your thought process involved with politics or, or social status or your income? Whatever that is, there's an us versus them. 
But in all reality, there's a unity that should happen in the body of Christ that could be an example to everybody else. There's a unity there because we are under, all under the same banner, that banner of Jesus, that we're here to love people, to welcome people, to be unified in our stand and in our lives. So I want to come back to forgive. Well, first I'm asking, what lane are you in? What lane are you running? Is there a lane change in your immediate future? I want to encourage you. Turn on that turn signal way before you make that lane change. Seek wise counsel. Seek that wisdom. Pray about it. Make, a, make a, an accurate decision on when to make that lane change. Because again, too often, and I've seen it all through my life, that people make that quick change. They all of a sudden, boom, it's here. I'll make that change before anybody knows it's happening. And then all of a sudden, they've become susceptible to whatever's in that lane that they're getting into. So again, I warned you about my message preparation for this, but I, I want to come back to forgiveness. I want to come back to unforgiveness in our lives, to that being a huge blind spot in our lives. Forgiveness is not the same as excusing. I think what's hard is we want to not forgive somebody because we feel like it's giving them an excuse, that we're letting them off the hook. But forgiveness is not the same thing as excusing. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Well, it's hard to forget what they did. I understand, but you still need to forgive them. Release yourself from that unforgiveness towards that person. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciling. Well, he'll never have that place in my life again. I can't trust him. Don't trust him, but you better forgive him. You better make sure that there isn't unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody. Again, it's not reconciling. It's not excusing and it's not forgetting. But when you forgive somebody, we change the way we think and feel. Not only about that person, but just in general. What's hard about unforgiveness is it always feels like it starts one-sided. It always feels like that. But the reality is that we're holding unforgiveness about people who don't remember what they did. We think about it way too much about what that one person did to us. Maybe you're concerned about what that one person has done to somebody else. And you're holding the unforgiveness on how they acted. But in all reality, that's not even in their thought process. They don't even remember it. But yet it's holding you back from fulfilling what God's called you to do. Or fulfilling your life and moving and changing lanes and moving forward. Revenge does not bring closure. Forgiveness does. We think, oh, if I can just get revenge, then I'll have closure. No. Forgiveness brings closure. Make sure that there's no unforgiveness. Make sure that when you're making, <coughs> excuse me, make sure you're making, when you're making that lane change in life, that you've checked all of the areas you can check and then you have those people in your life that can help you point out those things in that blind spot. Because again, too often we make that lane change without being fully prepared in what's the lane next to us. Stuff we can't see. 
Too many times we operate in life where we're going to make that change, but yet there's unforgiveness in that one thing holding us back. There's pride holding us back. Make sure that you're signaling in time to be able to check your surroundings and then have somebody else look for you. You've been in the car and it's a, you're about to turn, you got somebody in the passenger seat, and you're, am I good? That's what we're doing in life. Making sure that there's nothing in that blind spot that could take us out. Nothing that is in that blind spot that can knock us off track. You need someone in your life that you can look over and say, hey, am I good your way? Have somebody looking out for you. Have those people in your life. All it takes in starting that lane change is just a signal from you. For someone to let you know where you need to be going, where, where you need to be headed, and what's coming in behind you. Again, I, I truly believe that we are on the, the cusp of something amazing here. We're coming into a time where Christians have the ability to stand on the promise, to stand on what we, where we're at, and see the... It's No, I'm going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he is. That when you come look... I, I, one thing I love about dad is he is who he is, and that's who he is. There's no who he is up here, who he is in the office, who he is at home. No, no, who he is is who he is. And that is something that I've strived for in life. I want to be the same. I want to be the person that no matter what, you call me with something, I got you. If you're going through something, call me, because I will stand. Yeah, we can talk about all of the circumstances. We can talk about all of the external stuff, but let's get down to where we stand. I got this bad report. I understand that. But here's what the Bible says. That you're healthy and whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That by his stripes you were healed. That's what we're going to stand on. And we're going to keep standing and keep standing. Again, we're, uh, we're coming into a time where the church needs to take its rightful place. Needs to take its stand. We have, we have wavered way too much as a general, as a church, we've wavered way too much with appeasing people. But when it comes down to it, we know what the word says, we know that it's true, and that's what we're standing on. So again, whatever you're going through, whatever you are battling, whatever's out in front of you, what does the word say about it? And then stand on that promise. Stand on God's word. That's the only thing that won't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So stand on that. Be who God's called you to be, and let's move forward. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for everyone in here, Lord. Lord, I thank you that whatever they are going through, whatever they're headed into, Lord, I thank you that they stand on your promise. Lord, we stand on the promise that there's power in the name of Jesus. Lord, we stand on the, on the promise that no matter what, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Lord, I thank you that any lane changes that we make in life, any, any changes in course, Lord, I thank you that we make those wise decisions. Lord, I thank you that we take the opportunity to search our surroundings, to look, to seek you, to seek 
what you would have us do, Lord. And then I thank you that you bring people into our lives that can be that wise counsel. And Lord, I thank you that we make those correct life changes. Lord, I think that we don't, make the, we don't make a lane change blindly and hoping that things work out. But Lord, I think that we make strategic ones that lead us to that greatest life imaginable. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you one question. And I just say, you know what? I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That is the main reason that we are here. If you say, you know what? I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life or maybe... You've done it in the past, but you haven't lived a life that shows that. All you're doing is making a declaration to yourself and to God and just rededicating your life to him. Just put your hand up, put it back down real quick. I want to pray for you. I see you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? God bless you. I see him in the back. Is there anybody else? I'll tell you what, this is not a life that we want to go at just hoping that the wind blows the way we want it to blow. Is there anybody else? I see you. God bless you. Last chance. Is there anybody else? Put your hand up and put it back down real quick. Okay, I'm going to have everybody repeat after me. Father God, I give you my life. I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I thank you that I'm going to heaven and I will never smell the sin of hell. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, we love you. We worship you. Lord, we give you every area of our life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about the ministries of Gut Church, visit our website at gutchurch.com.